Hey, this is Taylor Strickland. I'm one of the pastors here at Second Baptist Church West Campus, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message teaches you, inspires you, and strengthens your faith. To learn more about our Second Students ministry, check us out on Facebook or Instagram. Just search Second Students West. Enjoy the message. Right, so my hands were full, and uh, you know, of course, my wife is with me, and uh, she she kind of is sporadic sometimes, right? No offense, Erica, she is, and, and she'll uh, she turns around, right, and smacks the phone out of my hand. Hope that was okay. I did that. I probably just shattered the phone. <laughs> y'all are like, oh man, we're we're gonna buy her a new phone, y'all. It's okay, like. No, this isn't her phone. That was fake, okay? This is a, a planted phone that I asked Melina to hold. Um, y'all are like, what? He just broke. The phone is literally shattered, okay? Like, I just broke. It's an old iPhone. It's an iPhone, like, 6. Okay, those things are trash, right? Um, how many of you still have an iPhone 6? still have an iPhone 6. Awesome. Hang on to it, okay? That's great. Keep holding on, all right? Um, those updates aren't going to get you. But uh, I, my phone fell on the ground, right? And, and it's that moment, you know, if you've ever cracked your phone. How many have cracked your phone before? You shattered it? Okay, Melina has. Great. Um, your phone's on the ground, and you're like, I don't want to pick it up, right? You're like crying. You're sweating. You're thinking about what your parents are going to say. You're stressed. And there's that moment before you pick it up where you're like, Lord Jesus in heaven, okay? Like, please, God, don't let it be broke. And you're like, ah! And it's shattered, right? And you're like, well, there's another one right <laughs> That, that was how I felt, right? The phone was completely shattered, not just the front, but the back of it too, like absolutely horrible. And I had just got this phone. It was a church iPhone, huh? Meaning they gave me the phone. Um, and so the, all these things started stressing me out, right? And here's what happened in that moment. Here's what happened. What do you think happened? Me and Erica started blaming Erica, right? Erica immediately felt bad. She was like, I'm so sorry I hit your hand. I can't believe I did that, babe. I, you have a history of breaking phones. Now you got another one. I feel so bad for you. And I'm like, in my soul, man, Erica, like, you got to be careful. Like, I had, I had my phone. My hands were full. You could have helped me. You could have taken the dog. You could have held my water for me. Like, you could have helped me out, right? But on the outside, I was like, babe, it's okay. It's no worries. But I was so angry, y'all. Like, I was so upset. And then later, we both realized, hey, a couple of things. Number one, I probably should have been carrying three things in my hand at one time. Number two, I probably should have had a case on my phone, right? But it was, it was crazy how, in, how, how quick we were to blame Erica, how quick she was to blame herself. That was our response. Because as humans, our typical response, listen, when things go the wrong way, when things are hard, our typical response is to what? Blame somebody else. It's to blame people. It's to blame the enemy, Satan. It's to blame the world. It's to sometimes blame God. But that's not the way that we should respond. So today I want to talk about how do we, how do we respond to adversity. Maybe um, you're thinking, men, so that I don't apply to this, so I'm going to just zone out because I've never faced adversity. Well, I sent a text out this week on our text service. If you're not subscribed, it's um, SS West to the number 41411. And for those who filled it out, the question was, name some adversity that you faced. And here's some things that some students said, and maybe you can relate. Battle with anxiety. Parents divorce. Grandparents died without ever seeing them again. Friends betrayed me. Grew up without a dad. Abused. Pornography. Depression. Anger. And that's just a short list. And sometimes our adversity is self-inflicted, 
like consequences, and sometimes we do nothing to cause it, like tragedy. But how we respond is so important. Let me tell you how God responds. Adversity is an opportunity. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. Remember that. Adversity is really an opportunity for God to do something in your life. That's how God sees it. Whether you messed up or it was something that happened in the world that you have to face and deal with, it's an opportunity for God to work and move in your life. Here's what Joseph said in Genesis 50, 20. It's gonna come on the screen. Genesis 50, 20. He said this, you intended to harm me, but God intended for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. He's talking to his brothers who sold him into slavery years ago. And at the end of that book, At the end of his life, he tells the brothers who betrayed him and sold him into slavery, that's adversity. He said, God used it for good. See, God sees it as an opportunity for God to do what only God can do. But what about us? How do we respond? I want to look at Job. For those of you who know the story of Job, Job was a man who probably faced more adversity than anybody else in the entire world who's ever lived. If you don't believe me, go read his story. Unbelievable, right? Here, here's the background. God and Satan are literally having a conversation that happens in the Bible. And God's like, Satan, where you been? And Satan's like, man, I've been walking around. I've been observing people. And he goes, what'd you see? And he goes, I've seen your servant, Job. And basically the conversation ends up being, if I inflict and I hurt and I take everything away from Job, if you allow me to do that, Satan says to God, he will curse you. He will turn his back on you. He will not obey you. He will reject you. And God says, okay, go for it. And the cool thing there is that God allows the enemy to do that, right? God allows Satan to do that. Satan can only do what God allows him to do, by the way, students, the enemy. But he says, go ahead. And so all these things start happening to Job. His children die. For those of you who don't have children, which is basically all of you in the room, right, myself included, we can't understand what that's like. But for those who are parents who are leaders, they can fathom that. Losing your children is absolutely horrible. His children die. Everything he owns is taken. All the money that he has is gone. He breaks out in a sickness. He's in physical, emotional, mental, spiritual pain and hurt. And look at what he says in Job 1, 20 through 21. Here's here's his response. It says, at this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. The Lord gives or the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Here's the first thing in responding. Here's the first thing I want you to know. Your posture will preach. Your posture will preach. Job's posture right here, when adversity hits, how he responds is so important. I want everybody to to sit back real straight. Back real straight. Put your back, yep, sit back. Nice, good posture. Okay, now turn to your neighbor and say, you have great posture. There you go. You guys are so kind today, man. That's awesome. Now keep that posture the whole time. Don't slouch, okay? Stay up, right? We got to practice good posture, right? Hopefully you try to do that. I don't really care about it, but I guess it's a good thing to do, right? I'm not talking about physical posture. I'm talking about spiritual posture. In the same way that you practice good posture, we should practice, practice our spiritual form, our spiritual posture. His posture was in the right place, right? 
Here's what it says. It says, at this, meaning everything happened. In fact, a guy came to him and said, hey, dude, um, your family died. And then another guy comes up and says, hey, all your cattle, all your possessions, they're gone. And then another guy comes up and says, hey, all your money's gone. He continues to get bad news after bad news. And it says, at this, immediately, his immediate response was what? Worship. It says he fell to the ground in worship. What does that mean? It means that he shifted his focus back to God. His immediate response. Think about what you do when you get bad news. Immediately, what do you do? Who do you call? What do you think? Where do you go? Who do you tell? What do you post? What do you do? He immediately, it says, fell to the ground in sorrow, yes. In sadness, yes, because he's human, but in worship. So what, what is your immediate posture? I'm not talking about what you actually do. What is your thought? What is your immediate reaction toward God when bad things come? Do you count God in this situation or do you count him out already at that moment when you find out that bad news? Many times, as I said at the beginning, it's self-pity or it's blame, right? We either blame somebody and we point the finger like I did with Erica and I said, man, it was your fault that you broke my phone when I really had my hands full and no case on my phone and I knew I should have done that. Or it's self-pity, man. It's like, woe is me. My life is horrible. Here's what we do. We react instead of respond. We react. When things get hard, when the rubber meets the road, what does that mean? When, when life gets real, we tend to respond. I'm sorry, react instead of respond. There's a difference. We're going to respond, but sometimes we react. We go to social media and post things we normally wouldn't post or say things we wouldn't normally say when we get frustrated or angry or things don't go our way when the world is not a place that it should be. We get angry or say and do things we end up regretting. You ever had that before where you, you said things in a moment where you reacted and you immediately regretted what you said or what you did? You immediately felt that that was bad. We burn relationships because that's the result of those things sometimes. We make major mistakes. Students, I want you, you're not gonna be perfect, but the goal today is to work on when those things come, how do I respond so that I don't do these things, so I don't make a bad decision. The key is worship. What does it mean? Romans 12, verse one, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Here's what Paul says about worship. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Here's ultimately what he's saying. Worship should be a lifestyle. Worship is not just when you come to Bible study or to live or to other things, beach retreat and you sing, right? Worship, maybe you've heard this before, is how you live your life. It's really what you do outside these walls. We just provide a space where you can really connect with God and bring people to come to know Jesus Christ and have their life changed. You can grow in your walk, but worship is much more than that. Worship is offering your bodies as a living sacrifice. It's your lifestyle. It's every single day giving God control. Every day. Every day you wake up. God, you're in control today. God, you're the boss today. God, you got this today. We talked about some of that last week. If you were here, like Addie said, I'm not living in my past anymore. Today's a new day. God, you're in control. And here's the cool thing is that people will notice. Some of you have stories of people noticing your different response to bad things than theirs. And 2020 is a year to show how Christians respond to bad things, let me tell you. That's what 2020 is. 
Yeah, it's a horrible year. Yeah, we're ready to get out of it, but it's an amazing year for Christians to stand up for what they believe in and to say, hey, I know this seems horrible, but God is really in control. I promise you he is. He has a plan and purpose for all of this. That's what I've been saying. That's what I've been telling myself. That's how I've been trying to respond. Your posture will preach. People will see it. The next thing we see from Job is in Job 2.10. Here's what it says. Some, some, bad, some, some more bad things happen to Job. The, the physical things, he starts getting sick. He has these whelps, these wounds on his body that were so painful. And it, it says, he says, he replied, you're talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept from God, good from God and not trouble? Let me read that again. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? And in all this, Job did not sin in what he said. I want you to to catch what we just read. It says that he said, may the name of the Lord be praised. Job is saying, I give God control. I know God has control. He has the power to take away and the power to give. Sometimes we just want the good God, right? The God who who we think, you know, how we define good. God is always good. But we just want the God who's going to give us good things, who's going to take care of us, who's not going to hold us accountable. We don't want God when things get difficult sometimes. And he's saying, I know God has the power to give and take away. Here's the second thing. Your mindset matters. When you're responding, not only does your posture, your spiritual posture, your heart aligning with God matter, but your mindset matters. Your mindset matters, students. Job had a predetermined mindset. He already knew how he was going to respond, right? He'd already worked on that. He'd already thought about it. He knew, listen, he wasn't going to let the world and the enemy drive his thoughts. He wasn't going to let the enemy drive his thoughts. He wasn't going to let what was going on in his life drive the way that he thought and saw God. And so what is the conversation here? He's actually responding to his wife. Right, not, probably not a good way, y'all aren't married, but let me just tell you, guys in the room who are married, not a good way to respond to your wife, okay? Calling her a foolish woman, just not smart, right? Don't say that to really women in general, but he does, right? His wife, here's what happens. She says to him, you should curse God and die. As in, you should go take your own life because everything else is gone. Everything else is ruined. So what's the point of living? That's what his wife says to him. His Significant other, the person he gave his life to, the only one he has left, says, curse God and die. And he says to her, basically, you're crazy. Dangerous way to talk to your wife. You're crazy. You're a foolish woman. Why? Because he wasn't going to let his wife dictate his thoughts. And I'm sure Satan maybe was working through his wife. We don't know. Could have been. Because he wanted Job that much to turn his back on God. And he said, my mind's in the right place. I'm not going to respond that way. It's really easy to think that right now when things are good and we're in church. But when the rubber meets the road, like I said earlier, when things get hard, it's really hard to keep your mindset there. It's really hard to keep your mindset there. To really live out what you believe. But it, it begins with your mind. I'm not saying, by the way, students, you're not going to get emotional. You're not going to get upset. You're not going to cry. You might not get frustrated with God. Those things might really happen. It says that Job mourned, right? He cried. He lost it. He couldn't control his emotions. But his mind was in the right place. So how do you do this? This is huge. I want you to listen to this. This is huge for our world today. 
More importantly for you, students, how do you do it? Starts by stopping others, situations, the enemy from controlling your mind. Stop letting other people tell you what to think. Stop letting the wrong voices tell you what to believe. Stop believing lies. Stop letting people manipulate you. Christ has given you a new mind. Don't let the wrong influences in there because it will drive your thoughts. Romans 12, verse 2, the next part of that verse that we just read says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Paul knew there was a mind battle happening. I don't know the percentage, but I would say 90% of battles happen in our mind. And they begin in our mind. And Paul said, don't let it be conformed, let it be transformed. Let it become new, let it change. Here's what he's saying. You're either going to be conformed or transformed. You're going to believe in lies. You're going to believe negative thoughts. You're going to entertain them. You're going to let others manipulate you, control you. You are going to let the Job's wife in your life control your thoughts. Here's the deal. We all, we all have Job's wife in our life. We all have people. We all have things. We all have situations that tell us to think different, to think opposite of what we know is true. We all have people like Job's wife. What is that right now for you? What, do you? what are you thinking about? Right? What, what is, who is Job's wife? Again, she's the one who said, go curse God and die. Turn your back on him. He's left you. He forgot about you. He doesn't care. Feeding negative, horrible thoughts into Job. Someone he loved and trusted. Maybe it's someone really close to you. Where, where do you find your standard, by the way? That's the transformed part. It's called God's word. It's the Bible if you're hearing something that doesn't match with the Bible, do not listen to it. Listen to God's word. He says you can be conformed or you can be transformed. So how do you do it? You renew your mind. How do you do that? You, you read God's word. I know it's not like groundbreaking. <laughs> you read the Bible, even if it's a little bit. Something that um, Aaron Sheldon said something to someone the other day was, man, when you feel far from God and you just don't feel like you can pick up your Bible and maybe your mind is being too conformed and you're getting into things and thoughts that you shouldn't be, maybe for you, you just need to put on some worship music and just let that speak to you. Sitting at home, in your room, maybe putting on a worship video. They're all over YouTube. Elevation worship, Hillsong worship. Look it up, put it on. Let God speak through those things. Those songs are written from his word. Be transformed instead of conformed. So Job had the right posture, the right mindset. His mindset matters, had the right mindset, and he responded the right way in the worst situation. You're not going to be perfect, students. But, but our goal today is that we can learn how to respond. And when that moment happens, we're prepared. You're prepared, right? As I was thinking about um, response, and I'll end with this, I thought about um, our physical response to an emergency, right? They say there's two responses. You probably know this, fight or flight, right? Fight or flight. In a situation that's an emergency that calls for an immediate response, our first thing is either to fight, is to step into the thing, into the problem, or to get away from it, to run from it, right? So spiritually, here's what I think our 
immediate two responses are to lean in or to let go. Just like fight or flight, spiritually, our response to a terrible situation, to a very hard, difficult thing, I read about 10 of them at the beginning, something really difficult, whatever it looks like in your life, is to lean into God or to let go. To lean in or to let go. And there's, there's no other way really to prepare for that than to prepare beforehand, to walk with God. But see, Job knew he was going to lean in when everything told him to let go, when his wife told him to let go, when his friends came along eventually later on in the book of Job, way later in the chapters after, and said, hey, let go. Hey, God's out for you. Hey, God's trying to get you. Hey, you've done something wrong. Job's like, I I haven't done anything wrong. I promise. I'm clean. I'm I'm clear. I I haven't offended God. I don't know what's happening. He said, I'm going to lean in instead of let go. I'm going to lean closer to God than let go of what I know to be true. And maybe your response most of the time is to let go. Here's what I want you to know. I tell people this all the time. That God never leaves you. We leave him. But he's always there. And so students, I want you to practice leaning in. The moment that adversity hits, the moment things go wrong. Again, 2020, picture perfect year. Are we leaning in or letting go? Are you leaning into what you know to be true about God, about Jesus, about his word? Or are we letting go? Are we backing away? Are we forgetting what we know to be true? Lean in. Don't let go.